0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 201 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Aileen Daly. Aileen lives in Cork, Ireland, and she is a secondary teacher, which for everyone in America, that is ages 12 through 18, and she teaches maths, also for in America. That's what they call it. I just love that. By the way, maths. There's lots of them. They're plural. And she also teaches physical education. So welcome, Aileen.
1: Hi. It's great to be speaking with you today, Jen. It's great to talk to you. Why do you
0: call it maths? I'm just so curious.
1: I, I think it's just the shortening of the word mathematics. So do you say mathematic or would it be mathematics for you as well? <laughs>
0: It is mathematics. Okay, so that that actually makes a lot of sense. It is mathematics. So maybe we should all be saying maths. Maybe we could start a trend. I'll, it sounds just so much more official anyway, maths.
1: <laughs> a little translation for you guys. There you go. So you know I like
0: to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: So I guess I'll, I'll go quite a while back to, to answer this question. It starts probably When I was in um, secondary school or high school, I wouldn't say I was ever hugely overweight as a teenager, but I was definitely bigger than my peers. And growing up, being a teenager in the early 2000s, the standard of beauty was Nicole Ritchie, Paris Hilton. And if you weren't like concave, then you were seen as, you know, not being beautiful. And I just felt bigger. Now, I was never unhealthy. But as soon as I went to college and gained that freshers 14 that seems to be universal, I started thinking about losing weight. And that would have been back in, I would say, probably 2010. And ever since then, I have just constantly thought about wanting to lose weight, wanting to be thinner. My New Year's resolution for about eight years in a row was lose some weight this year you know, it was never I could totally like get that be a nicer person or you know, more acts of kindness. It was always lose weight. I played around a little bit with Weight Watchers, but saying that I was never huge. I was I was probably around eleven stone, which is about 154 pounds. And I then moved to England and I was taking my first teaching job, moving away from home from a very small town to a really big city and I just developed a lot of bad habits. So from about 2014 onwards, I started really actively trying to lose weight. And I went to um, Slimming World. I don't know if you have it over there, but I know previous guests have spoken about it.
0: Yeah, we don't have Slimming World, but it is similar to Weight
1: Watchers, right? Is it a little bit like that? Yeah, it's, it's fairly similar. It has the whole idea of there's these free foods that you can eat as much as you want of. And then they have Weight Watchers would have points, but Slimming World calls them sins. Oh, like sin? Like your sin? The way they twi- try to spin it is actually um, synergy. And, you know, you have your good foods and your naughty foods. Oh, but I mean, okay. they could have picked a different word, okay. I think. <laughs> I know. Did they spell it like S-I-N? They spelled it S-Y-N. But they definitely, it was definitely spoken S-I-N, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Because I'm like,
0: that sounds really terrible that they're calling your eating is a sin. Exactly. And I wonder, honestly, though, even though it's, it's S-Y-N and it stands for something else, I wonder how much of that contributes to people feeling bad about eating like well like I sinned a lot today
1: and they say that they say it like you know you go to your group and you have your discussions and people are saying oh, I was sinning a lot this week and it just sounds awful and it definitely drives an unhealthy relationship with thinking about food regardless of the it why or the like I <laughs> and I
0: wanted to find out how tall are you because I know you mentioned your weight and it could make a big difference
1: I am five foot four okay yeah so pretty small
0: yeah, so it, you were you were in the overweight category for your height, without a doubt. Because I'm five five, and that you know that's where I start to cross into overweight when I get to that. And yeah, you just don't feel you just don't feel your best.
1: No, and I actually remember getting Wii Fit when the Wii games console came out for the first time, and I got the Wii Fit console accessory kit or whatever it was, and I stood on it, and it kind of like it generated a, a little character for you. And I stood on the Wii Fit scales, and it made my character, like, this small, fat, little, round oh. person. And me, aged 15, was like, oh my goodness, is that what I looked
0: like? I totally get it, though. You're right. I We had a Wii Fit as well. And my character, that was when, gosh, I probably was obese or, or close to it at that time myself, because that was when I was really struggling with my weight when we had the Wii.
1: And you're right, my wee character was was chubby, definitely. Oh,
0: yeah, that didn't feel good. <laughs> no.
1: But I, I mean, I did. I got up to an even higher weight when I moved to England. I developed some really bad habits. And I think actually, I was rejoining, joining, quitting, rejoining Slimming World. And I had a real big collection of their starter packs. I think I could have made quite a lot of money selling them on the internet because I had so many of them. <laughs> and and people were were looking to buy them because the the monthly or the weekly fee they didn't want to pay. So I maybe I should have started that. Not sure if it's legal though.
0: <laughs> That's funny
1: though. You had so you got every time you would sign back up you got another starter pack? Yes. And it was it was actually because if you if you skipped weeks you were still expected to pay. So when you, if you rejoined and you wanted to keep all of your data, you had to pay all of these back fees. Whereas if you paid to rejoin and started fresh with a new book and a new folder and new stickers, then you didn't have to pay all the back fees, which is clearly what I was doing, was avoiding paying all those missed weeks.
0: <laughs> well, I get it. I totally get that. I remember one time I did a Biggest Loser at school. We had like a Biggest Loser competition oh, okay. and you had to go way in and um, I think I did it more than one year. One year I won, but one year I think I started, well, I mean, I was doing a crazy yo-yo diet and I like (laughs) ate a ton before we started just so my weight would be higher. Anyway, it was not
2: a healthy (laughs)
1: thing. It's
2: like that episode of The Office
1: where they do the challenge and Michael Scott makes them all
0: eat the week before. Yep. But the, the second time I think that I did it I was like tired. I didn't want to weigh in. I was tired of dieting. I was over it. But you had to pay money if you skipped the weigh in, like <laughs> extra. And I just would go and pay the money every week. And I just, <laughs> there's nothing sadder, right? Because at the beginning, you're like, this is going to be so awesome. And then you like owe all this money because you don't want to do it anymore.
1: Exactly. Or you could have, you know, the benefit of joining Weight Watchers or Slimming World and paying to be up weight, <laughs> which was <is Yeah>. lovely. <laughs> You never found success through Slimming World. No, I actually went the opposite way. I was actually paying them to help me gain weight, I think. And I I got up to about 12 stone 10. And that is about 178 pounds, which was, you know, it's not really unhealthy, but it wasn't good for my body. And I, I really looked unhealthy when I look back at pictures. I looked at a picture when I was on a cruise in 2000, I think it was 2017, no, it was 2015. And I just looked like somebody had actually pumped me full of air. I just looked so uncomfortable. And I don't remember that now. I don't remember feeling, you know, as uncomfortable as I looked. But I just, I was like a different person. You're right. Those photos really do. That's
0: exactly the way you describe that. Like someone pumped you up is exactly how I feel when I look at photos of myself from my heaviest. It's like my features disappeared. Like you know that scene in what is it? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka? Yes, I know where exactly they pump. What you yes, I, that's how I. That you know, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like I'm inflated, and 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 then just watching it all deflate away feels so
1: good. Yeah, which is so <laughs> much of a nicer experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember, actually, I went home. I went home for Christmas in 2016. So it would have been just after that cruise. I remember my mother, bless her, she's very direct. And I won't actually say what she said to me because I couldn't say it in a podcast. But she she basically said, oh, my God, Aileen, you, what has happened? And at the time, I was so upset because, you know, she hadn't seen me in months. And I had obviously, you know... Gained a lot of weight since she saw me in person last, so change was way more drastic to her, and I was so hurt at the time. But it really was that was kind of the turning moment, and I I could see that she wasn't she wasn't saying it in a, in a cruel way. She was just really genuinely worried about me. It's got to be hard because she hadn't seen you. Yeah. You
0: probably didn't notice. Like when I was gaining all the weight over time, I didn't really notice it day to day. You don't notice your body changing necessarily. But if someone hasn't seen you in a while, it's like, wow, okay, something's Absolutely.
1: different. My sister has a really funny analogy, actually. She was kind of saying about, you know, if you gained a pound a week, She was comparing it to a pound of butter. It's pretty odd, actually. But she was saying, like, if you took a pound of butter and you just spread that butter all over your entire body, like, you'd be fairly shiny, but you wouldn't really see it. And if you keep doing that over time, you really wouldn't notice it going on. And she was definitely right. That's true. Yeah. But over time, it would certainly add up. <laughs> it adds up. And you become blind to it yourself, I think, as well. You can, you definitely can kind of protect yourself through denial. So after that turning point,
0: your mom's reaction right there at that Christmas of 2016, what did you do next? So
1: I actually went back to England and I had been in a fairly unhealthy relationship and we ended for the final time. And I started just wanting to have a fresh start in every sense, and I, I started running again, and it was—I think it was rage running—that I was doing, and I was just trying to deal with all this emotion and wanted to be a better person, and started finally eating a little bit healthier, but still kind of following the slimming world outline, the skeleton of their plan, and I—I did manage to get off quite a lot of the weight. I went down to about—I would say 147 pounds, so I lost 30-ish pounds. Just under? Yeah. Yeah. And that was just from
0: the, the rage running. <laughs> the rage running, which I love <laughs> how you said that because I know
1: what you mean. <laughs> Setting up a really the angry rage playlist on your phone yeah. and just yeah. taking going off. for it. I think it's good motivation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. so changing your diet also really made a difference. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. And, and I, I'm not somebody that exercise alone will work for. But, you know, I kept the weight off until probably lockdown of 2020. But I was in this constant state of fear and this constant state of like regulating myself and regulating everything I ate and holding myself really accountable. So much so that like, I would say I didn't enjoy a major holiday from when I lost that weight until probably when I found intermittent fasting because I was so scared. You were pretty much micromanaging what you ate. Absolutely. And it was constant and it was exhausting because I'm very type A perfectionist. I want to do everything to the letter. And, you know, I don't give myself a break in that respect. My mom had said to me that time when she made the comment, she's somebody who's very, very, very thin herself and has never struggled with her weight, which I did not inherit. But she was very unlucky and she has really high cholesterol naturally. And she went through a big process of trying to manage that cholesterol without having to go on statins. She knew all about kind of abdominal fat and that's where I was holding it. When I really gained, I was holding it around my abdomen and I, I kind of learned from her how dangerous that is and how much of a risk that kind of weight puts you at, regardless of like overall weight and stuff. So I was just, I was really scared about that as well and putting myself at risk for like prediabetes. Right. Because it's so connected
0: when you start having the abdominal fat that is also a sign of insulin resistance and really that's the time to address it. I never had abdominal weight problems till later but once they once it started, once I, you know, started really just gaining 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 it was all around my mm-hmm. middle and that was just so very different from when I had been younger. But that was when I guess the insulin resistance really kicked in.
1: Yeah, and when I look back, I had all the signs of insulin resistance and when I read all of Dr. Fung's literature really I really em- empathized with it because I I was at that point and I think when I look back I was possibly at the point of no return and I'm really you know I'm glad that I found intermittent fasting when I did because now I know and I'm educated but back then in 2016 I wasn't and I didn't really know the risk I was putting myself in.
0: Yeah, it just feels like almost inevitable. You know, we look around, we see that everyone else is, you know, having the same thing. We're having the abdominal obesity was really just everywhere, and so you're like, "Well, this is just what happens." I'm just gonna, you know, exactly. (laughs) You're like,
1: "Wait a minute, I can do something about it." Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not pre controlled. And I I was scared as well. I was like, you know, if I if I have let myself get this far, what's to say I'm not going to just keep gaining weight forever? And where is it going to stop? Exactly. So you
0: mentioned that you kept the weight off until the 2020 lockdown. What happened then?
1: I think teaching from home happened then and I'm sure any of your previous colleagues will tell you it was not a fun, it was not a fun time. It was very stressful. We were all we were all getting used to it. We were in it together, but it was just stressful in general and I'm definitely somebody who when I'm eating I'm eating and I think about food and I would be prior to intermittent fasting I would be thinking about my lunch before I even started eating my breakfast. I get that. Yeah. And school, at least then was a release for me because we moved classrooms for every class period and can't eat because you can't carry all your food around every single class with you. So it was a real release for me to not be thinking about food. And it was just this block of time where I wasn't eating and I really enjoyed the freedom, which might sound familiar (laughs) to intermittent fasting in general. That time was kind of a, I don't know, a stabilizing force for me. So when we when we started working from home and and I'm an emotional eater at the best of times, and things were stressful and I was now teaching approximately six feet away from my fridge. Every time something went wrong, I reached for food, and that time where I wasn't wasn't even able to think about food was gone. Food was was twenty four seven. And also we
0: were going through in a crazy stressful time because we didn't know what was going to happen, and our biology kicks in and makes us turn to food for comfort. I mean, that's very, very normal because when you're feeling that stress, we, we just are like, well, I'm going to eat now and then we feel soothed. I have a question though real quick. Mm-hmm. So your kids, do the kids stay in the same classroom all the time and the teachers just rotate? Is that what it is?
1: It depends on the school. So in some schools and actually for our younger kids, for our first years, who are the 13 year olds, they stay in their classroom all the time because they're new to the school and it's kind of to give them A base room and we move around, but other year groups will move classrooms. I suppose, based like for practical subjects, they might be in a lab for science and a a construction room for woodwork and things like that. But generally, most year groups move as well. So every time the bell rings, it's pretty chaotic the level you taught, the teachers did the moving. I just wondered, because I'm like, that sounds awful. I liked having my classroom and my stuff. And <laughs> I taught, when I when I taught in the UK, I had my classroom and I, I just loved it. I had all my posters up and I had uh-huh. all my like different types of coffee in the cupboard. And, right. Yeah, I went to like carrying eight different maths textbooks around two different buildings. Very different change of pace. But it was good because it kept me busy and I got my steps up and things. And then
0: all of a sudden, now you're at
1: home and there's the fridge and you're stressed out and you start gaining weight. Exactly. And of course, it was what you said as well about like a time of huge stress and our body wants to eat. But I guess like, you know, historically, it makes sense that our body would also want to hold on to that food for times right. of stress. And, and my body certainly did. But I, I gained about, I think, probably 10 pounds or so. But it just, it pushed me back into that state of thinking, this is it now. It's up and up and up. I'm going to get back to the the weight I was before and it it wasn't as much about like my actual weight as the fear of just continually gaining but it got to a point where I was like okay I need to figure something out and I said okay well before I was teaching from home I was eating at set times I was eating during my lunch period and I said okay what I'm going to do is I'm going to set these times for myself to eat I was never a big breakfast eater so I said okay maybe 10.30, I'm going to eat my breakfast, 1 p.m. for my lunch, and like 5.30 for my dinner. And then the best thing I ever did was think to myself, is this something other people do? Is this normal? And I did it for about a week before I Googled time-restricted eating. And of course, what I was searching was not what I found and what I found was intermittent fasting from that Google search. Oh my gosh. So you actually thought of the words time
0: restricted eating. They sound like like a thing. So you looked it up and you're like, oh, that is a thing. <laughs>
1: yep. But the way I was, I love was it. writing it was that I was giving myself set times to eat. And I, right. I just, I just, I'm so glad that I chose that combination of words to look up on Google. <laughs> and it brought you to intermittent fasting. So that was when you hit on it. Was it, I guess, the spring of 2020? It was actually. I can tell you the exact date because I started this 30 day challenge for myself, that exact date. And it was the 19th of April, 2020. Love it. Yeah. And I, I, I stumbled across your podcast pretty much immediately. Such a great name. Best name you could have ever given. I love it. it. Well, you know, that's true. I,
0: I'm so very grateful. When Melanie Avalon and I were starting the intermittent fasting podcast in 2017, We were looking at all the different podcast names out there, and most of them were cutesy or something, a little humor to them. Mm -hmm. So we're like coming up with all these, you know, interesting names and. Too fast girls, or I mean, I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of things with fasting. and and we're like, I think this is the wrong impression. Let's just be intermittent fasting podcast, but you know, it got a lot of people to us. So when I started intermittent fasting stories, I'm like, well, let's just keep it simple. And I think if anybody searches using the words intermittent fasting, they're gonna find them. So that was really like, a brilliant accidental thing to do.
1: Exactly. And and you knew after the first one that it works. If it works, it works. Yep, It does. Yeah, thank goodness we didn't
0: give it some kind of wacky name.
1: <laughs> it just wouldn't have been so high up on the search
0: no. on the search
1: page. Exactly. So you found intermittent fasting stories and started listening, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I I pretty much started clean fasting straight away. I did as much research as I could do in a 24-hour period before beginning and I was finding a lot of mixed information on, can I have something under 10 calories? Will milk in my coffee break my fast? And anywhere there was a gray area, I said, I'm just not going to do it. So milk in my coffee. I love that. That is so smart. Yeah, And again, that's the the perfectionist in me, but I'm so glad that I did it like that. And I, I dropped milk from my coffee straight away. Fun fact about Ireland uh, creamer is not a thing here. I always thought it was just an American way of saying putting milk in your coffee. <laughs> no, it is something completely different.
0: <laughs> Today, I was looking for cream at the grocery store, and I ended up next to the creamer.
1: Uh, from what from my research, they are two very different
0: things. <laughs> All right? They are, but the creamers. I mean, there's like I don't know in a big American grocery store, like a, a you know a really big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. But there might be like a hundred different creamers that oh you can goodness. choose from. I'm not. It might even be more. One day I'm going to count them. I don't think there's a hundred of anything in an Irish grocery store. <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, there's the obesity epidemic right there, mm-hmm. or at least a big part of it, right? Because I really didn't struggle with abdominal obesity and really gaining a lot of weight until after I started drinking coffee.
1: Really? I didn't
0: drink. Co- yep. I didn't drink coffee until I was in my 30s. And then I, like, st- like I'd never been to a Starbucks. I just w- wasn't drinking coffee. And then in my 30s, I was like, well, it seems very grown How up. How did and- you get
1: through that first few years in the staff lounge?
0: <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't know. That was what the older teachers did. I drank my sodas. I drank diet <laughs> sodas. You know, I just, it didn't seem like for me. But once I started drinking the coffee, I was Addicted to the creamers, mm-hmm. you know. I would have. I remember that one of the first creamers I bought because I wanted to have it in my classroom. I had a illegal coffee pot,
2: <laughs> and
0: because you we weren't allowed to, but sounds I amazing. Yeah, and I um got what you could keep in your classroom. I didn't have a refrigerator, so I got it was powdered. Creamer. Oh my goodness! Um, and so it was sugar free, fat free, vanilla like flavored french vanilla creamer i mean it's like this powder you mix in and since it's sugar free and fat free i don't even know what it is what it's made of (laughs)
1: what do they even find
0: to (laughs) put in that but But it is you know you think it's delicious and now looking
1: back uh uh-uh It's funny, though, isn't it? Things that, you know, you would have thought tasted amazing when you go back to eating them now. They're so chemically. Ugh! I can't even imagine trying to
0: have that again. But, you know, it was like I was dieting and I'm having this sugar-free, fat-free, powdered stuff in my coffee, and I would just drink cup after cup of it. And that was really when I started, you know, my shape started changing. And then I got a machine that made lattes that had this little milk pod. So it's like the more dairy I kept throwing in my day with
1: the creamer. If I'd stuck to black coffee from day one, who
0: knows what would have happened. So interesting.
1: And I'm actually, you know, saying that I'm really glad that we don't have it here because it definitely sounds like something I would have loved (laughs) at the time. And they give them names like
0: Thin Mint Girl Scout Cookie. And I mean, like any kind of flavor of dessert you can think of, there's a creamer that goes with it.
1: I'm actually coming to the states in April on our Easter break for a, uh, hopefully for a vacation. So I will be looking it up just in the You'll in the it. grocery store just to see what it looks like. And then there was a
0: time when I w- went to organic creamer and I mean that's still <laughs> 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 Anyway, I tried but black coffee now I will never go back. So and you get to feel really grown up. I think I feel really grown up drinking black coffee. <laughs> yeah. So you started it with kind of a 30-day challenge kind of a mindset. Yeah, I think I still
1: didn't fully trust it, obviously, because I hadn't done it before and I hadn't really heard of it before. I wasn't fully trusting it. And I did think for a while, well, is it just a way of controlling the amount of calories you eat? If you, let, if you shorten the amount of time, surely you're just decreasing the amount of calories. And I know now that is extremely incorrect, but I did 30 days of, I think it was sixteen eight. Okay. And possibly pushed to 18.6 at the end. And I I remember listening back to to your podcast with Melanie, where you spoke about your own approaches. Me hearing OMAD or 24 for the first time, I was like, oh my goodness, these women are crazy. Like maybe I can do 16.8, but I'm never going to be able to do 24. And then Over time, My fasting window crept up and I found that actually I really enjoyed fasting for that amount of time. And I like looking back thinking, there's something you thought you could never do. And here you are doing it basically every day.
0: It's true. It really does sound, you know, for someone who's been eating, you wake up in the morning, you eat breakfast immediately, you eat all throughout the day, you're snacking frequently, you have dinner and then have maybe a snack after that. Even thinking about compressing to eight hours sounds like wow. That is, mm-hmm. how am I going to do that, right? And then six hours, and then four hours, just
1: sounds nuts. But <laughs> and then you get to have the reaction of everybody. You have to tell that you're doing this, and then they'll just back up that narrative, right? But I, yeah, I, I started with sixteen eight and found it actually really easy because I was never somebody who enjoyed eating early in the morning, and and I definitely. You know, you hear that old wives tale or that thing that's being pushed to us in the media of those who eat breakfast are, have a lower weight on average than those who don't, which has recently been proven to be completely false. And I think right. Special K really made a lot of money off that, uh-huh. but I never really liked eating in the morning and it always made me hungrier. I definitely ate more on days where I started eating earlier. So it wasn't something that bothered me pushing out breakfast apart from the fact that I really like breakfast foods, but I just started having them for lunch instead. And you know, that's a really good point that you said. You knew that eating made you
0: hungrier. I actually figured that out a long time ago too. Like I can remember maybe being a teenager and thinking that, and I don't really know why I I figured, how or why I figured it out, but I ignored it. (laughs) Like I knew that once I started eating, I wanted to keep eating and I was hungrier. But I mean, I guess it was just the whole message of breakfast being so important
1: I, I trusted that more. And, and we're told so many things. We're told things about our bodies, you know, over decades. And obviously, you're going to start to question it. But I I guess if we could all pair it back to what we know about ourselves, <laughs> trust yourself and trust your body. Right. And I right. think that message is starting to come through a little bit more now.
0: I think so, because people have heard of intermittent fasting, and at least they know it's it's out there and not. I mean, they might think it's crazy, but everyone knows somebody who's done it and had success, I think, at this point. Exactly.
1: And even like, I mean, I've only been doing it for 18 months. I sound like I'm speaking about a toddler now saying 18 months. But <laughs> <laughs> but even since when I start, from when I started to now, the amount of people who will now say to me, oh, yeah, my brother's doing that. Or, oh, yeah, I've tried that. Or, oh, yeah, I do my own version of it. Like, they skip breakfast or whatever but compared to even 18 months ago when people were like that's really bad for you it's nice to know that it's becoming more widespread and people are more accepting of it even even if they're not doing it themselves
0: yep and you're still planting those seeds and they're thinking about it and maybe one day they'll be ready to start exactly and when they see your success that helps i think Oh, 100% yes. So that first month when you were, were just 18'6 6 or 16'8 or somewhere in between, how how did the weight loss start off for you? Because, you know, I always tell people don't expect weight loss the first month. That's in fast feast repeat. But what happened for you?
1: So I didn't lose anything for the first two weeks. And of course, me being super skeptical at the time, I was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. But I pushed on because I'd <laughs> set this 30-day challenge. And then I had to go back on my word because for the last three weeks, it was actually a 35-day challenge now that I look at my piece of paper. But for the last three weeks, I actually lost 10 pounds. Awesome. So something fell into place there. And I know for a lot of people, like that won't happen or for some people it will happen in the first week. But seeing that weight loss was what made me really buy in. And, And I didn't have, you know, I didn't have too much to lose. So I was surprised that that it pretty much came off all at the start. And it slowed down a lot then for me. But I think sometimes I do think back and wonder if I had had much slower progress, would I have stuck at it? And I'm really glad that I did. So for anybody who is listening to this and is having slow progress, please stay at it. Absolutely. You know, I am listening right
0: now to what is it? Why we get sick by Benjamin Bickman. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that book? Have you? I've heard of it. It's on my list. Well, it is really good. It's it's very sciencey, and I'm listening here and there a little bit, like today while I was in the shower and getting ready for my day, and a little <laughs> bit in the car. I listened. I don't have a lot of time to listen to things, so I'm it's going to take me. I'll probably be talking about that I'm listening to it for the next like five months. I don't. <laughs> Those know.
1: kind of books they but- take a long time too, don't they? Because you want to process it. <laughs>
0: I probably should just get the paperback and read it, the real book and read it. I I don't know. But he is talking about insulin resistance. I mean because th- that's the whole foundation of it is insulin mm-hmm. resistance and re- you know reversing your insulin resistance and all the different things that are connected to it. So that's one I I would definitely definitely recommend that you read
1: I must put it on my list. I was almost a little bit scared to read it in case there was something that I was doing that I now need to get rid, from, get rid of from my life that I enjoy, but I'll definitely put well, it. Well, I haven't re- heard anything yet that made me think that. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm certain he's going to talk about fasting. I'm not at that point yet. Right now, he's just talking about all the health problems associated with higher levels of insulin. But, and I haven't heard anything yet that I'm like, that's not really what I think. So that's good. I like that.
1: (laughs) I'll put it, I'll move it up the list. So, because it does sound like one, I've read so many of the ones that yourself and Melanie have recommended and really enjoyed them. And also been able to use them to the critics of of when I tell them that I'm doing intermittent fasting, I can give them a list of references. So I'll definitely add that to the list. Like, let me tell you what I heard today. This will help me
0: process it and it'll also help me remember it. You know, you're a teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. if you say something, it (laughs) helps you remember it. He was talking about, Insulin levels and muscle building. And he said that if you have insulin resistance, high levels of insulin, you are more likely to lose muscle mass and have trouble building muscle if you have insulin resistance.
1: Oh my goodness. How many gym bunnies would stare at intermittent fasting if they knew that? I know. And I thought that was fascinating because,
0: you know, we hear of typical diets where people lose a lot of muscle, right? Yes. But Keeping insulin low and correcting your insulin resistance, we have even more reason to do that because it will help us preserve our lean muscle mass. And, of course, we know fasting helps us increase our muscle mass because we have, you know, increased human growth hormone. Mm -hmm. But also having, having the lower levels of insulin and not being insulin resistant, that was the part that really stuck out. So insulin resistance makes it less likely to build muscle And more likely to lose muscle.
1: It's so important for people as well as as they get older, you know, when when you start to to lose that muscle as well. That's so important.
0: Yep. So hyperinsulinemia, he uses that wording, you know, throughout, just like I talked about that in Fast Feast Repeat. And it's just such the root of so many things. Anyway, it's a really good read. So uh, I'm i don't to a ton I think I might of books, but download it
1: to my Kindle
0: <laughs> immediately. After this. I think I might need to do that too. Get it on my get it on some sort of version besides listening, or I'm gonna be listening to it like I said
1: for five months. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I I tried to listen to the obesity code and I actually had to download the book because I was just going back and listening to the same sentence about fifty times trying to process it. Yeah.
0: See, you're you're like me. It's really hard. And if I can't immediately make a note of it, it's gone. Right. Exactly. There's other stuff he's said so far that I'm like, that's really cool. I'm going to have to remember that and I've already forgotten it. I'm also (laughs) a very visual person versus auditory. So if it's not right there in front of you. Yeah. It helps me to see it. Like I, I learn much better visually than through auditory. So... Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so the, you, did you really only want to lose 10 pounds at that point? Because I know you said you had gained about 10 pounds. So what I gained was your goal? 10.
1: I had always wanted to get a little bit lower, but I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And I, I was happy enough at the weight or at the size. I wasn't really happy in my mindset about food and things like that. But I kind of always wanted to push it a little bit further. And, and after that initial 10 pounds, which got me back to pretty much where I was and where I was comfortable at. So yeah, I lost another probably seven pounds and that put me into a place where for the very first time I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, I like the way I look. Not I'll tolerate it and not this is good enough, but I like the way I look. And and that happened quite slowly though. That was probably over the course of the next six months, which I was okay with. Because again, I think when you, when you're happier as well, things slow down a little bit because you can be a little bit looser with, for me, it was the processed food and things like that, but right. but I eventually yeah, got down to that weight, and, and the, the real joy has been the effortlessness of maintaining it.
0: I love that.
1: And the, you know, the freedom from worrying about you know having a night off or, or going out for a night out and you know maybe having a few drinks with my friends, which would always before have put me into like a blind panic, and I would have ended up either holding back and really not enjoying myself or going completely overboard, having a fantastic time, and then feeling guilty about it for about two weeks afterwards, the freedom from that was probably better for me than any difference on the scale. That's
0: huge. I mean, it, just, it really, really is because we are so critical of ourselves when we feel like we've failed. And when you're doing one of those diets, like the slimming world with your sins, mm-hmm. you're sinning of eating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You were sinning and going out and enjoying yourself. And then you beat yourself up about it because you're like, gosh, I was so weak. Why did I do that? And then you can't even enjoy it. Like you didn't enjoy, you can't enjoy the enjoyment.
1: Exactly. It's like that, you know, there's a line in Billy Joel's song, Vienna. It's like, you can see when you're wrong, but you can't always see when you're right. So it was very much a case of that. Right, right. I think freedom in general is is one of the main things that I got from, from intermittent fasting, like freedom from thinking about the food, but also... I've now actually stopped weighing and that is something that when I heard you speak about it first, I thought I'm never going to be able to do that. And then again, something that I did over time and I'm pretty happy without my scales every now and then I'll step on and, and just give myself a bit of a check if I feel like my clothes are looking a little bit different, but it's something that would never have been possible before because I was keeping such a tight leash on myself.
0: Right. And now you're trusting your body and trusting that you can feel the difference. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's powerful. I love that you lost those last seven pounds over six months and you weren't stressing about it your body changed you got to a place where you felt amazing in your own skin but you weren't stressing you know that would have been the time where if you had been really focused on a number like if you were trying to get let's say you wanted to get 10 more pounds off mm-hmm. and you were highly focused on that you could start thinking this isn't working nothing is changing my body is the same
1: exactly and then
0: but give instead up. you didn't you yeah you just were like you know what my body is doing what it's going to do and you just let it happen.
1: And I think so much of that as well is like really just allowing yourself to trust the process of it. And and once you get to a point where you're like, I, I fully trust this, I believe this, that the science makes sense, all the facts line up, my own experience of it is lining up with it, then you kind of can just let it happen and have it be part of your life that isn't like taking center stage all the time, maybe. Right. Has your taste in food changed at all? Completely. Yeah, completely. I wouldn't have been a great eater as a child. I wasn't a big fan of the green stuff. And I would have gotten better as I got older. And I would have eaten more healthily, like begrudgingly. And I would have eaten food that I knew was good for me because I knew I should eat it. Whereas now I really enjoy, I really enjoy vegetables. And Sorry, Mom, but it might be because I'm not I'm doing things other than just boiling them.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You're right though, because you know, I thought I hated Brussels sprouts, but Brussels sprouts at home was my mother would buy like frozen Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. and boil them. Yeah, same. And they're so good. They are so good. Like fresh ones, and then you roast them. And she also made really bad eggs. She just might not have been a very good cook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they can still be great, Mom, just not great cooks. That's right. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like I, I started really playing around with food and, and I think the whole window worthy food thing comes into play. I knew if I was gonna be eating in a shorter time period and not maybe eating as much volume of food, that I wanted it to be really nutritious and I felt right. I felt it so much, you know, so much more it was magnified. The effect the food had on me was really magnified when it's, you know, happening within such a smaller time period you can connect what makes you feel yucky or what you don't yeah absolutely and it's i found it really interesting from like a data point of view because i was able to like figure things out and pinpoint what really suited me and what didn't and i i don't know is it just because we well, we're eating less so it, it there's more of an emphasis on the foods we include in a shorter time period or what but it definitely highlighted to me the ones that worked
0: yeah, I think I think we just get more in tune. Like when you were eating all the time, you don't even hear the signals because there's so much coming in. Or also you might not know you feel bad till you feel better. And then you contrast it with that bad and you're like, Oh, that was bad.
1: You know, if you're in good health for a while and then you have one day where you're sick and you're like, Oh, I will never take being healthy for granted again.
0: <laughs> exactly. Or an injury as you get older if you like sneeze and throw your back out like happened to me last oh, no. year. <laughs> Putting out your back is not fun. I had a similar
1: experience this summer. Oh, not fun. What you say really resonates with me, I think, on a lot of points. And becoming a food snob is definitely one of them. And I was eating a lot less food and I wasn't necessarily spending any less money because I started shopping in, we have an amazing organic shop near us. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I started shopping there a lot. And then I really noticed the difference between their food and what I would have been buying before. So it's it's made me a better cook. My boyfriend says it all the time. Like he's very grateful because it's made me really push the boat out and try new things. And and he's a big vegetable fan anyway. So he, he's, he's pretty grateful for that. Oh, yeah. And you're right about the savings. Like I
0: was spending a lot of money on things when I ate all the time, like fast food and easy food. And now I just buy better quality food. So am I saving money? Uh, probably not. But you know, you feel <laughs> better about spending so money better. on it
1: when like I'm definitely happier yes. to be spending money on like organic fresh produce than right. however many packets of chocolate bars.
0: <laughs> and you know, it really, it really is not more probably, like I said, when we add it up versus all that packaged food it was just a lot of little packaged things versus, you know, now I'm buying this more expensive organic
1: butter, but it's, it's worth it. Exactly. Now I did have to draw the line once when I brought one small head of cauliflower to the cashier and it was like seven euros. So I was like, I'm not, I can't, um, I can't justify that, but most other things I would no. be able to justify.
0: Right. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I understand.
1: I that. actually started growing my, my parents have a little vegetable garden. It's something I would never have interested in me before, but, now that I took an interest in like good, fresh food, I started growing my own vegetables and things. And and even the difference between that and store-bought is excellent. And it's really nice to kind of connect with where your food comes from. So that's definitely a benefit, a really roundabout non-scale victory. So what have you grown? What types of things? Brussels sprouts. Oh. Have you ever seen the plant that a Brussels sprout grows on?
0: You know, I've never seen them grow Like out in a field or anything, but I have seen people holding a stalk of them after they've been harvested. Yes,
1: yeah. So they're, they're so, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I did not expect this giant stalk with tiny little (laughs) brussels sprouts stuck on it. And it actually made me like them more, I think, because it was so unusual. But um, they're great because they're a a winter vegetable. And they are like sprouting on the little stalk. I guess it makes a lot more sense now Brussels that you
0: think sprouts. about it. They're called sprouts. Exactly, they're sprouting on the little thing. My mother had some plant. I can't remember what it was called when when I was little, and it got little tiny plants on the end on the stalks of it, mm-hmm. and then you would flick them off, and they would grow new ones. So it make, I guess maybe it makes me think of that.
1: Well, they are like that little kind of protrusions, aren't they, on the on the stalk? Yeah. All right. Well, now I've got to get Chad to grow me Brussels trails. <laughs> it's worth it just for how they look. Cause, and they're gigantic. Like, they grow so much bigger than I thought they would. So maybe in the back corner. <laughs>
0: I really have to talk him into it because our yard is still a work in progress. We've been, you know, we finished our backyard remodel. The pool is in, the concrete's done, the screen porch is on, but everything is all torn up. Okay, trying to find someone, a landscaper, to help us, you know, backfill the dirt, and so he likes to like really look around at lots of choices. (laughs) So
1: we haven't done anything yet, but it's a blank canvas. That's exciting. It's a blank
0: canvas, exactly. But I really would like. I'm going to push a little harder Mm -hmm. to make sure we have this area behind our garage that is right now a blank canvas. I'm going to push harder for vegetables, not just flowers. It's
1: really enjoyable. And I think like flowers are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But for the most part, you look at them and that's it. But When you can take something into your kitchen and actually eat it, (laughs) I think it's even better.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx.
2: or text Wondery Pod to five hundred five hundred.
0: What else have you grown besides the brussels sprouts,
1: carrots, onions, kale, lettuce, spring onions? Do you call them spring onions or green onions? Maybe. Yep.
0: Or scallions. Shallots. Well, no, shallots are little onions. Okay, I always get these mixed up. I think it's what scallions. Are, Is it? Is it scallions? Scallions. I don't. Yeah, scallions. That's what they are. Scallions. I love scallions. Yes,
1: I do yes. too now. And actually, they're so my ones that I grew speaking of my garden or anything, but they were, they were so much more flavorful um, than the ones I got in the store. So I really would recommend it. And they are simple to grow as well. They're super, super easy.
0: You know, I use the meal delivery kits and they often send scallions and sometimes they get a little slimy if they sit for a while. So you'll pull them out and you'll have to throw some away. Yeah, or but like peel off um, the anger. I always
1: wish I had more. I can be a little bit lazy, so I wouldn't be the world's most avid. Like, must go out and weed my vegetable garden every. That's morning. why I have Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so he maybe he can do it. Yeah, but but they're very easy. You do like there's very little little to them, and, and I did like purple carrots as well, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so too because they have um,
0: you know, different phytonutrients than the orange ones.
1: Exactly, and you know, so eat you're as getting many different... colors as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's really exciting. So you mentioned non-scale victories, the you know, the vegetable loving and the, is a non-scale victory, but what other
1: non-scale victories have you seen? Like mainly the freedom, like freedom from thinking about food all the time, not stressing about overindulging at special occasions and just being able to enjoy myself and knowing that I can just go back to fasting or like, you know, keep fasting and then it will all square out and, and freedom from the scale as well. So freedom is a big one for me appreciating the good food. And also, I think something that I wouldn't have realized is how much of an emotional eater I am. I always knew and I threw the term around a lot without fully understanding it. But now I can be 17 hours into a fast, not hungry at all, planning on going to 20 hours or whatever, you know, having my dinner in in four hours time. And if I if something upsets me, I instantly find myself wanting to either start eating something out of the press or, you know, reach for a bar of chocolate. And it's instant. So I think I was only really able to pinpoint how emotionally I ate from having that time away from food and the fast. That makes total sense because before you would have just eaten it. Exactly.
0: And not even noticed. But now your window is closed. You feel that push to eat it and you know it's not because you're hungry necessarily. Exactly, So it's just really connected you with that. That's really important. And
1: it's something, it's definitely something that I'm still working on controlling. Even sometimes now I can catch it recognize it. And I know that if I just wait 10 minutes or if I go for a walk or if I go for a shower, that's going to be gone. It's not real hunger. And I think even if I can catch it and, and not give in to it three out of five times, it's still something and it's something to work on.
0: Yeah. But just identifying it is is huge. That's the first step. So what does your window look like as far as like timing? When do you structure your day? Like where's your eating window?
1: It varies day to day. So on Mondays and Tuesdays, I work a slightly longer day and I have about an hour commute to work. So it just kind of depends on when I get home. So on Monday and Tuesday, I'll generally eat when I get home, which is at about 5.30 or 6 p.m. So I end up usually going about 20 hours and having a four ish hour eating window. And then Wednesday to Friday, I have a shorter day. So it generally tends to be a 19.5. Now, sometimes it'll be, you know, like a 19.4 or a 19.3. Right. And then the next right. day is longer. And that freaks out people
0: who are new. They're like, I did a 19.3. It didn't add up. Did I do something wrong? <laughs> have I lost no. an hour
1: of my day somewhere? <laughs> you haven't, it's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, I know eventually my math my math teacher brain knows
0: it all adds up somewhere. It does. Every day has 24 hours, no matter how long your eating window was and how long your fast was.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and the 24 hour, the 20 hours the next day doesn't all come from the same 24 hour period before I get to my next right. window. Yes, exactly. But then on the weekends, I probably lengthen out my window a little bit and minimum, I have a 16 hour fasting time and, okay. and I have probably between six and eight hours of eating. And I, I probably need to start looking at tightening that up after my Christmas overindulgences as well. If I could push that back a little bit more, it might help. Yeah, we're recording
0: this in January. By the time it comes out, Christmas will have been a long time Distant in the past. Memory. But yeah, yeah. right now we're we're sensing it in, in the community, for example. A lot of people are still really stressed out about the fact that the holidays just happened. And so it is a crazy time. It's just, yeah, it's just a matter of, of understanding or like, like somebody's like, I've been losing weight really great. And now all of a sudden I've had a month where I haven't lost. It's like, it was the holidays. It's okay. We celebrated. Mm-hmm. It was one thing after another, after another. It was. And even if you stuck to intermittent fasting, the kind of food you ate was different. You know, like I don't normally sit around and drink eggnog or make a, a pumpkin pie.
1: Absolutely. And and alcohol definitely factors in a lot as well. Oh, Yeah especially here. But um, right, I would be definitely having more alcohol than I normally would. And I think a lot of people do. And, and even if you're really comfortable and you're not trying to lose any weight, you're surrounded by the January madness of everybody in this kind of mass panic to get healthy and lose weight. And it, it, even if it gets forced upon you, even if it's not your goal. Oh, yeah. Because that, that's what you're supposed to do. It's January. Let's all go on a diet. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody join the gym and stay a member for four weeks before quitting. Right. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. That was another thing I used to pay for, you know, month after month, the gym membership. Mm-hmm.
1: I actually had it when I was living in the UK. I joined a gym and this is <laughs> this is awful. Joined a gym, paid for it for three months. And I never once—I couldn't tell you what the inside of that gym looked like because I never went in. Yeah,
0: I, that's their business model. I really think that if everyone who was a member went, you wouldn't fit. Yeah. But because it they don't be a need to fit everybody because you're you're not going to come <laughs> January. They must be laughing all the way to the bank every January. I think so. You're probably right. So, besides, you know, you talked about being an emotional eater. Is there anything else you struggle with?
1: I think the only thing now is when I'm going out for a night out with my friends and you know usually as you get older it turns into brunch (laughs) for some reason it doesn't turn out into a mad night out but brunch will turn into maybe you know a few glasses of wine and I find it difficult because I will start eating earlier than I would normally like to and it ends up a glass of wine with friends talking into the early hours and I just I don't feel great after having a window open for like 12 hours. It doesn't, it just doesn't suit me anymore. So that is something that I need to maybe just find the courage to say to people, I'm going to sit with you at brunch, but I'm not going to have anything until maybe later on.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely a valid thing to do. But I get you because brunch is one of my
1: favorite things. Yeah, all the good foods
0: are brunch (laughs) foods. It's so good. When I go to the beach with my friends, there's a brunch place that we like to go to, but they do brunch like all afternoon. So we can go at like two and still. Have brunch, so I we, we we'd kind of wait until later to go, yeah. See, so that that's helps. what I need.
1: I, I go and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll eat the brunch and then I'll stop because it's like, so good normal time. And I don't because it's great fun Me and neither. I enjoy that as well. But you know, you can't have yeah. everything,
0: it's true. But yeah, later brunch is really just my favorite thing in the mm-hmm. world. There's some, there is something about brunch, there really is. It's just such good food, <laughs> it is. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: I think my whole thing to say to people would be just trust the process. If it's not working for you, if you're not feeling it straight away, trust the process, lean into it, do the clean fast and just give it a go because, you know, what have you got to lose? That and also take, I know everybody says this, it's such a cliche, but take the before pictures. Oh yeah. Nobody wants to look at them in the moment, but like if I didn't have my inflated cruise picture to compare to now, I wouldn't be able to see as much progress. So take the pictures. You don't even remember what you look like because you don't really see it
0: in the mirror. Exactly. Especially if you avoid looking in the mirror and avoid taking pictures of yourself. Right, right. So, yeah, taking the photos is huge. Definitely take the photos, everybody. And wear something that you can show to people. I talked about this. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so exactly.
1: Pete, don't just wear your underwear because you're going to want to show them to people. <laughs> or, you know, if you have clothes that are too small for you and you're, you know, keeping them in yeah. the wardrobe, put them on. See how tight they are on you. And then you can compare them when they're loose on you.
0: Yeah, that is a great way to take pictures. I remember wearing a dress that I – it was a dress I had when I was at my biggest, and I, I kept taking pictures in that same exact dress and just putting them side by side. You know, if you don't know how to make a collage with a side by side, <laughs> find a teenager who exactly. does. Yeah. Telling, I know you do, but and I'm doing the will do it in three <laughs> They will. They'll make a collage for you. And then you can be like, wow, like I even noticed, you know, my necklace hung different on my neck.
1: See, that's, I think that's the science teacher in you. You're, you're creating your own units of measurement there. Well, that's true. <laughs>
0: you're right. <laughs> One necklace measurement. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you for being with us and I always love hearing an accent from across the pond. I just hope I didn't um, speak too quickly. (laughs) You did not. I I could understand you beautifully the whole time, and I know that our listeners will too. And thank you so much for sharing. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. It was lovely to speak to another educator. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G I N intermittent fasting stories is edited mixed and mastered by resonate recordings to learn more visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at resonate recordings.com intermittent fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast